What's good? What's good? What's good? What's good? Ah! Ah! What's good? What's good? How we feeling? How we feeling? How we feeling? How we feeling? It's your boy, the Wall Street Traveler, man. Welcome, 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 welcome to an episode of Trapping Tuesdays, y'all. What's good? What's good? What's good? Huh? What's good, man? How y'all feeling, man? First and foremost, man, I want just thank you, man, for taking out your time to be here with me live in a trap. I want you to give yourself an applause for that, you hear me? First and foremost, man, I want to tell you that, man, Trapping Tuesday is, has three things in mind. It has three goals that we're here to do. The first one is to help you build wealth one share at a time. The second one is to help you be confident in all your investment decisions. And three, three, we want to help you build legacy. See, because what I've learned over time is that we haven't truly learned how to build legacy. See, what I realized is like over the last couple months, because I knew this was happening, I went back and I studied the 08 recession. And I studied it before, but because I had just come home from prison, I really wasn't like understanding what was going on. And so as I got into the stock market, as I got into building wealth, as I got into understanding how the rich and the wealthy navigated through these things called the markets, I realized that there was a big disconnect. So while we were working job for job, while we were living paycheck to paycheck, while we were being financial prey, someone else was being financial predators. And so when I look back at the 08 recession and I saw the collapse of the economy and I saw so many people that look like me, so many people that come from impoverished neighborhoods, so many people who thought they had job security, so many people that were tricked into buying things they couldn't afford, the wealthy walked away with money in hand, no charges pressed. They walked away to go sit at a desk. They walked away to go chill while people barely recovered. Some people still haven't recovered. People lost life savings. People lost jobs. People killed themselves while others just sat at the desk. Some walked away with 500 million. And I asked myself, put in that situation again, what would we do different? Because no one gave us the information. No one was able to break down us and tell us what to do. No one was able to tell us how to navigate through a place that we never had been before. No one told us that. And so now I ask myself, here we are again. But not on my watch. Not on the watch of Wall Street Trap, man. And so I present to you Trapping Tuesdays. Right? This show is 100% 
for us, by us, is to help us become financial predators, apex predators, right? Top of food chain. But it doesn't happen overnight. So over the course of me creating this show, over the course of me pouring into you, over the course of me learning, now's the time. So let's tap into it, man. The first segment of Trapping Tuesdays is called Word on the Street, y'all. Right? And so what we love about Word on the Street is, because you know I'm from the street, right? So we know that everything comes to the street first. Right? Like all the news, all the gossip, all the he did this, all the she said that, it all comes to the streets first. So right now we're going to talk about like just right now, right? Like, like the Dow Jones was down 1.3% today, right? The Dow was down 1.3% today. And that's okay. That's your caterpillars. That's more of your industrials, right? And then we had the S&P, you know, the big 500. <laughs> Shout out to my guy, right? The S&P standing in poor, in case you didn't know. It was down 0.67% today. So I want you to understand something too. When you're hearing these, when you're seeing these numbers, and when you hear these numbers, I want you to understand that there's a difference between percentages and basis points. Right? There's a difference, right? And so here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to hear the Dow or the S&P or the NASDAQ is down 200 points and you get scared. Because a lot of times they don't even equal 1%. Right? It don't even equal 1%, right? So I want us to understand that, right? The NASDAQ is down 0.16%, 0.16, right? Now, I'm going to tell you something. Like, during the course of the day, like, today was kind of crazy because it started up, started down, then we had a rally, and then it got back down. So one of the things I tell all my trappers in the Trappers Anonymous, right, one of the things I tell them is be prepared for bear market rallies, right? So what happens is we're in the bear market, right? We fighting, we scrambling, we tussling, we looking at our account, we pulling it down, we taking the app off our phone, and then the market rallies. But those rallies can truly trick us. So I don't want us to be emotionally attached to those bear market rallies, right? Those things happen, those are part of the game, but so is making money. And I want us to just take our time with that, right? So let's get into what I like to call like my biggest winners and my biggest losers over the course of the day. Now, because the reason why I talk about this sector, this segment of the show about biggest winners and biggest losers is because a lot of times we only know a couple stocks. Like I, I sat back and asked myself this question and I said, the reason why everybody panics is because everybody owns the same stocks. Right, everybody owns the same stocks because we're going to follow the leader, right? Y'all know I am, a, I am an advocate of fundamental analysis, right? I am an advocate of doing your own research, right? I'm an advocate of that, right? Doing your own research, not letting the TV tell me what to do, right? So one of the biggest losers today was... Molson Coors, you know them as Coors beer. Coors, like a rock, you know, you know, Rocky, you know, the silver cans, <laughs> you know, silver cans, Coors, right? So Coors, 
Man, alcohol sales was down. The company fell down by, I want to say, like 14% like today. Maybe people just aren't drinking right now, right? Maybe that's a bad brand. Now, the thing about that was, speaking of that, I saw that uh, Pepsi spent $500 million, right? Pepsi spent $500 million on a brand. Uh, it's not a sugary drink. Um, and it's an alternative to, to healthiness, right? And so what I want us to understand, too, is when we think about Pepsi, like we think about Pepsi and Coke, shout out to Coca-Cola, right? They actually like are doing pretty darn good during these times, right? They're doing pretty darn good. But here's the thing about competition, because it's on my mind, right? So Pepsi realized that they couldn't really compete with Coca-Cola in the beverage department. So Pepsi went out and dominated the snack department. They went out. <laughs> right? Flush it down the toilet. Flush it down the toilet. <laughs> This should never give me these goddamn buttons. This should never give me these goddamn buttons. All right, because I'm just pressing these goddamn buttons all goddamn day. <laughs> right? So the dope part about that is, so Pepsi couldn't compete with Coke truly in the beverage department because Coke dominated what's called shelf space. So what Pepsi did was they went and dominated the snack department. So Pepsi's snacks dominate, right? So when you go look at Pepsi, like truly go look at like when you break their business down, how much they're making from snacks, yo. Like that's crazy. So I just wanted to shout that out while it was on my mind while we talking about Molson Coors, right? So let's move forward, let's move forward, right? So our biggest winner, right? So it's not the biggest winner, but I'm gonna keep it real like, some of my trap masters like this company. I don't have a problem with this company because we had an outlook on this company. It's Uber. Or Uber. <laughs> Shout to Uber. Right? So we'll talk about them a little later. The stock went crazy today for one reason. One particular reason. In quarter two, they became a cash positive flowing company. And I'm gonna keep running cause I love this shit. <laughs> Here's why I like that. Right? Here's why I like that. Right? Here's why I like that. Because last year I said if Uber can give us a profitability date It'll be a company that I'll look into. I say if Uber can give me a profitability date, it's a company that I might be interested in. So they actually had the flying cab that they was going to come out with in 2024, but they didn't. Right? They kind of canceled that project. But they didn't cancel the fact that they said they were going to become profitable in 2024. So... I said, okay, if they can become profitable in 2024, I actually see 
growth in this industry. Why? Because, honestly, people just don't like driving. Like, people just don't, I don't like driving. Right? I can get more done. Like, how many people right now can get more done, like, in the backseat, like, just, ah, 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 ah. get you an Uber XL, now you probably feel like Barack Obama. Right? <laughs> like Barack Obama. Right? So for me, I was like, okay, this is pretty good. And then they started the Uber Freight. Right? So Uber actually has like the 18-wheeler department. And then Uber Eats, like which helps them like dominate Lyft. Then they like really dominate market share in the ride share and space. So when they became profitable, that was truly a good sign for Uber, man. 100% that was a good sign for Uber. And I'ma keep running cause I love this shit. We don't got a problem with Uber making money, man. We like Uber making money, right? Like, I don't like driving. Like, I don't like lie. Atlanta traffic is crazy, like, so I'm, I'm over, right? So Uber was definitely a big win of the day, right? And, and we cool with that. We okay with that, right? What I want you to do right now, man, if you're on the YouTube, man, I want you to smash the like button. I want you to subscribe to the channel, right? Make sure you get the notifications, man, because, yo, we about to turn up on this YouTube, right? We about to turn up on this Wall Street Looks Like Us Now Network. So make your show while you're here. Make sure you smash the like button. Make sure you subscribe, man, because we're going to keep that heat coming, man. Moving on, man, you dig? So one of the things, too, man, that I had on my mind to talk about today is something that is truly important for all of us as investors. I know we got a lot of new investors in the game and a lot of this stuff can just be confusing, right? So one of the, I wanna talk about two things. One is the Fed rate hike, right? So a lot of people hear like quantitative easing, quantitative tightening, QE, QT, you don't know what none of that mean, right? So one of the things that I want to do is on this network is help this game become more relatable so when you hear these terms, you're not confused. So when you hear these terms, you're not lost, right? I want you to, I want you to hear these terms and I want you to like, oh, okay, I know what that mean, right? So let's talk about that. So, so we all know that inflation is high. We talked about what inflation is, right? Right? So we all know that inflation is high. So there's two ways that you can deal with inflation. Right? There's two ways that you can deal with inflation. The first way you can deal with inflation is create more goods, create more services so that you can satisfy the supply and demand. Right? You create more goods, you create more services. Right? So you can satisfy that supply that's needed, that's, that's, that, that, the, that the marketplace is screaming for. Right? The second way that you can deal with inflation is rate hikes. Right? So I want you to understand something first and foremost, right? Like recessions are 100% a part of what is supposed to happen in the economy. And right? it's part of the economic cycle, right? But the pain that comes from these recessions can sometimes be unbearable, right? Because we know that most people just aren't prepared for these type of conditions. So, so a lot of times people say, like, they talk to a certain type of investor. For me, I like to talk to everybody. I like to talk to the investors who just getting in the game, and I like to talk to the high-level investors. Why? Because when you're just getting in the game, you're trying to figure it out. 
You're trying to find somebody who can talk to you in a way that you can relate to. So when you hear somebody say interest rates or rate hikes or the Federal Reserve, you're like, bro, I don't know what that means. When you talk about economics, you're like, bro, I stopped going to school in the seventh, eighth grade. I don't know what that means. I've been getting it out the mud my whole life. We're going to change that. We're definitely going to change that. All right, so rate hikes, here's what happens, man. So because there's so much money in the economy, right? So because so much money is in the economy, what happens is your dollar actually loses value. And so because the dollar loses value, that means it now takes more money for you to buy something you once bought, right? So as of right now, let's say something cost you $100 in 2019. Well, right now it cost you $115.90 because the dollar lost 15% of its value, right? So if something cost you $100 in 2019, in 2022, it now cost you $115.90. That is inflation, right? That means, yes, they may technically have more jobs, but if people aren't earning the money, Right? That they can pay for gas, that they can pay for food, that they can pay for the roof over their head. Anytime people have to make a decision, do I put food on my table or do I pay a bill, we have a problem in America. And too often in these situations, that is the problem in America. Because while 1% of America controls 39 to 40%, there's another small percent, a large percent of America that have a small percent of nothing. I'm going to say that again. There's another large percent of Americans that own a small percent of nothing. And that is by design. And that's okay, because we're going to change that. I want you to understand that we're going to change that. Right, so here's what happens is, man, so when they increase the rates, when they increase those rates, what happens is it impoverishes the people. Why? Because everything gets higher, right? Here's what happens. When they increase rates, here's how it trickles down to us. When they increase rates, so now what happens is mortgages go up, right? The interest rates on mortgages go up. So when you done stacked your little bread and you're trying to go buy a car, if your credit's going a, 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 a one which most of us don't be having, now that interest rate causes it a little more to get that car. If you were trying to make ends meet by like hitting this credit card here, hitting this credit card there, robbing Peter to pay Paul, we all been up for some of y'all that ain't gonna really, I get it. But when you robbing Peter to pay Paul, those credit card interest rates are a little bit higher. Now, so you swipe a little less. So when you increase the interest rates, you impoverish the poor. Let's dig a little further into that, right? So now what happens is businesses, right? So now we're going to take it a step further, right? So businesses now, they likely, when interest rates are low, what the wealthy do is, they go buy assets, 
businesses when money when when it's low when it's cheap to loan money to borrow money what most businesses do is they go borrow as much money as they can to buy inventory they go borrow as much money as they can to buy back stocks they go borrow as much money as they can to make acquisitions they go borrow as much money as they can to buy other business equipment right so here's what happens when those interest rates crank up and they crank up so we've did two three quarter point interest rate hikes back to back so when that happens what happens now is businesses say hold up we're not we're not buying that because we already got the inventory we're we not buying that no more hey hold on that hey don't order that don't order that. Don't order that. Don't order. We got enough. And then what happens is, hours get cut. And then when hours get cut, what happened is jobs get cut. And then when job gets cut, bills get missed. And then when bills get missed, lights go off, cars get taken, children get, get out of school. People lose their homes. So I want you to understand what comes with interest rates. Right? Like what comes with that? And now what happens is because now people now start spending less money. Savings, everything starts to depreciate. And that's how you bring inflation down. So we ask ourselves, America, is increasing rates the way? Is increasing rates the way? So right now, I just did a, a study. I saw that uh, in Los Angeles right now, there's 35,000 containers of supply waiting to be shipped. On average, it's at 9,000. Right now, it's at 35,000 containers sitting in Los Angeles. And they say if it ain't moved within four to six weeks, everything will be piled up back in the ocean. So all the supplies that were supposed to come in, now we're back with a supply chain issue, worse than what we were before. But why is that an issue? Well, because the railroads have laid people off. Now you see? So the railroads that usually run through have laid people off. Trucking companies have laid some people off. So I want you to understand that there's two ways we talked about it. Increasing supplies and demands increasing goods and services or 
we increase race. America, the choice is yours. This is America. All right, man, moving on. Like, so, like, <laughs> I want to get into this next step. We're talking about earnings right now. So let's talk about earnings, right? So we talked about what earnings season is. So earnings season, if you don't know, earnings season is when companies that you know and love, companies that are on the stock market, they have to tell us how much money they made and they have to tell us how much money they lost. Right? And as investors, it is 100% important for us to know how much money is a company making? Where are they standing financially? Like, we need to know that and we need to understand that because if we don't, we aren't truly investing, we just gambling. If we don't know the financials of a business, if we don't understand What's the core product? If we don't understand how the CEO running a business, if we don't understand what's the CEO's method, if we don't understand the strengths and weaknesses of a business, then we truly just gambling. Now, here's something that I learned. Uh, I like to study the, the psychology of the consumer. Right? I like to study that, right? Because I personally like to try to understand and help people heal from what's called financial trauma. That is a word I made up. Right? It's a murder that I came up with, and it's a word that I feel that you'll see people starting to say. Right? No one's whispering about the R word anymore. Now they just come right out and say it. Right? Recessions cause financial drama. There's a lot of things that go into causing financial trauma. Right? And so one of the things I realized before I get into this, this earnings talk is that here's what I learned, right? I learned that most people who play the lottery, this is a study, y'all. This is a study. Most people who play the lottery feel like they're incapable of building wealth. Matter of fact, the study said that 89%. It said that 89% of the people who played the lottery every time it came out felt as though they were incapable of building wealth. So I asked myself, well, why is that? Maybe they're just trying to, you know, hit a quick lick. I'm from where they're from. Like, ain't nothing like hitting a lick. Who don't want a quick lick? But what I realized was that the reason why you played the lottery so much is because you felt like the only way that you can truly become wealthy or be successful is by getting lucky. There's no strategy to playing a lottery. There's no strategy. It's about getting lucky. So I said, damn, well, like, like, where did that come from? And I realized that it's because we have not been taught, we have not been given the tools on what it takes to build wealth. So we feel like because when we're looking at this job that we work every day, right, true enough, I don't know if you like it or you love it, I don't know how you feel about it, but we do know is the job is what pays the bills. So even if you don't see your future, even if you don't see like the life you want, the job is just getting things done. And so because of that, you feel like you gotta get lucky. And so what happens is they had a test that says, I remember when I was working as an iron worker, so we was making some pretty good money. And I remember like every time we would get paid, they had certain guys that would spend like two and $300 every week on lottery tickets. 
like every week. I'm like, damn, like every week. But then you think about it, man. It's four weeks in a month. Who's getting paid every week? It's $1,200. You can invest that $1,200 instead of wasting it. But here, let's go a little deeper. When they played the lottery, whether it was a scratch off or was other, when they didn't hit, the body released, right? The body released the chemical that made them feel sad. Now, that's kind of crazy to me. Like, you know that you're gambling. You know you're trying to get lucky. You know your chances of truly hitting this lottery surprise is slim to none, yet you get disappointed when you don't get it. Hmm. That was interesting to me. It was interesting to me. I'm like, how? Right? But it goes back to us truly not having uh, a healthy relationship with money. That goes with us truly not having a skill. Remember, building wealth is a skill set. And like everything else, we must work at it often. Often. Right? So let's get a little further, man. Let's get into this earnings season. Right now, we're going to talk about AMD, right? The trap is jumping. AMD actually beat earnings today. Uh, estimated, right? It was estimated to have a uh, dollar and three uh, cent. Uh, earnings, but they came in with a dollar and five per shell. Let's shout out to, let's shout out to them for that, man. Let's shout out to them for that. Let me see something. And I'm the king, oh, oh, baby. Ain't got no money? Bullshit. I see you shining, nigga. I can smell a motherfucker with money. <laughs> Eating Ray Charles. AMD. AMD said, bro, baby, y'all got me twisted. I ain't got no money. I ain't got no money. <laughs> AMD said, I ain't got no money. I'm broke, baby. <laughs> AMD said, I'm broke, baby. I ain't got no money. You hear me? But uh, so that was good, man. And but I personally think that AMD has a great opportunity, right, to dominate in this space. Right? I think that AMD has a great opportunity to dominate in this dominate in this space. Why? Because they are taking market share from Intel, right? They are taking market share from Intel and all four of its segments have grown by 70%, right? Combined, all segments together have grown by 70%, right? That's really good, right? And revenue, but here's what I like even more so, right? Here's what I love even more so. The data center sales grew by 83%. Right, so I truly feel like, don't get me wrong, NVIDIA is big dog, and, and, and T, but I feel like AMD is one of those ones. Right, I remember when it was $16 a share. Right, so I truly believe in it. Right, and I don't want you to lose faith in companies. I, want you to do this. I don't want you to lose faith in companies because they aren't performing how you like, would expect. Remember, we're in a difficult time right here. What I want you to do is look for CEOs that are learning how to navigate through this market. I want you to look for CEOs that are learning how to navigate through this market. This is one of the things you should be looking for. Now, I'm going to keep it 100. I'm going to keep it 100. My people? So AMD trap jumping, right? AMD trap is jumping. Let's give it up for AMD, you hear me? Next on the list, next on the block, man, is uh, PayPal, man. PayPal, if you and me, if you're a trapper, 
right? Like if you're a trapper, right? 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 <laughs> one more time, one more time. You're a trapper, right? Let's get up for PayPal, man. So PayPal surged 13% today. Hold up. Wait, one more time, one more time. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. One more time, one more time. Okay, okay. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Y'all know I like PayPal. Y'all know that's my people now. That's all for them, you hear me? That's all. That's all phone. <laughs> okay, so listen, man. PayPal surged 13% today. They beat earnings, right? They was expected 86 cents a share. They beat earnings. They came up with 93 cents a share. Now, they did lower guidance, right? They did miss earnings last time. They're going through a transition. They did lose their CFO to Walmart. But here's what I do like. The company has a strong balance sheet. The CEO is still locked in, and he said something to us in the earnings call two earnings calls ago. He said, listen, we are switching our strategy. We're not going to try to attract new customers. What we're going to do is we're going to double down on the ones that we have. We're going to double down on growing and giving the ones that we have a better experience. And I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that because here's what they did. They have 429 million accounts. They grew it by 6%. That's a CEO that's standing on his word to me. Now, they got some, they got some stuff to prove because it wasn't $300 stock, right? So they got to prove us some stuff. I'm going to keep it 100. I lost $100,000 on the option play with them. Lost 100000 on them. But that's okay. It's okay, right? So, but 429 million accounts up 6%. They did issue a $15 billion share buyback. Now, I like that. $15 billion share buyback. That is major. Also, they had a major investment group, Elliott Management, purchased a large share of PayPal, and that also sent the stock running, right? But also, also, he also bought interest in Pinterest. He is the largest holder in Pinterest, right? And that stock also surged today. Now, here's my thing about that. I feel some kind of way about that. If you're a traveler, you know why I feel some kind of way about that. Because the minute PayPal made that god doggone announcement that they was buying Pinterest, the stock went down here and they ain't never looked back. The stock looked down here and ain't never looked back. So I, I, I know that some people are like, damn, trap you laws on it? Listen, it's okay, man. It's part of the game. Listen, I take my L's the same way I take my W's, right? I take my L's the same way I take my W's. I show my trappers why I lost the 100K on it. But here's the thing. I've made more than that so many times. It's a part of the game. 
I learned a lesson. I was chastised by it, and we just keep moving. It's part of the game. You know what I'm saying? Let's run it up, man, right? So next on the block, man, next on the block, I'm posted up like a light pole. Simon Property Group, man, is the largest mall retailer in the game. You know them because they own, if you're in Atlanta, Phipps Plaza. If you're in Atlanta, Lenox Mall. If you're in Houston, the Galleria. If you're in Orlando, the Premium Outlets. If you're in Vegas, yep. So they are the largest premium mall REIT in America. It's amazing. It's amazing, right? They also have a great dividend that we ain't mad at, right? They have a great dividend, right? Here's the thing, man. Uh, the return on equity is up 56%. The net margin numbers was up 43%, right? They beat revenue by a dollar, you know, that is, I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay, I, I like what we're doing here. 1.28 billion? <laughs> okay. I like what we're doing here. Now, here's the thing. That made me like, hold up, hold up. You're trying to take me fast. I said, hold on. You're trying to take me fast. They refinanced 14 properties that came up to 1.6 billion. Right? So they cleared some debt off the balance sheet. They refinanced. They moved some things around. They have $8.5 billion in liquidity, which means they got some money. Now, by them increasing the dividend, I'm not mad at that. The thing about that is the dividend is 100% of their payout ratio. Now, if you own a REIT, here's what you understand about REITs. REITs have to pay out 85 to 90% of the profits to shareholders. Right? So we definitely got to just get that up and it's all good, right? It's all good, right? So, again, we talked about Uber today, right? Uber surged 13%. They had a beat on gross bookings, $29.1 billion. That's crazy. That is an all-time high. They also beat on revenue. But the most important stat of them all, man, that Uber became profitable in quarter two, man. Definitely. Let's give a round of applause to Uber, man. All right? <laughs> Let's go, man. Let's go, man. How y'all feeling? I hope everybody feeling good, man. I just want to say, man, thank you, thank you, thank you for tapping in for Trapping Tools, man. Right? We just wanted to give y'all a taste of what we got going on. I want to give y'all a taste. We want y'all to know what we doing. We're not playing with games, right? High-level production, right? We're giving it to you like nobody else is giving to you. You feel what I'm saying? That's our goal, right? To help you build well one share at a time, to build your confidence up, but also to help you learn how to build legacy. That is important to me. It is a time for that, right? So I want you all to do me a favor, like and subscribe. I want you to take a minute to just tell somebody, hey, man, you need to be in Trapping Tuesdays next Tuesday because that is the first initial episode. That is the first. So this is like the inaugural episode, right? It's like the inaugurable, right? <laughs> right? Like we just give you all a, you know, just give y'all a taste of the blue, yeah? Make it a sample pack. But next week on the 9th, it's gonna be crazy. We're gonna turn it up a notch. We're gonna turn it up a notch. So everybody that subscribe to the channel, like the channel, and let everybody else know about the channel, man. Let's go, man. I think everybody said we trapping right now, man. We trapping. All right, man, so we got, uh, what I also wanna talk about today was Certain stocks that really, like, are not recession-proof companies, right? 
right? I just, just, they're not, they're not really good investments during recession. So one of them is like apparel companies, uh, jewelry, uh, automobiles, vacation companies. Those companies truly aren't good companies to invest in during like a recession. Like we should kind of like stay away from them type of companies, right? But also, I want to look at companies that are. Companies that are pretty good during a recession, right? Companies that are like, you know, this, this is a good place to be. This is a good place to go, right? So we definitely want us to stay away from like the apparel, like uh, the jewelry, like Cigna brands, the automobile brands, the vacation companies. Let's kind of like stay away from those like booking holdings. Like let's kind of stay away from them type of companies right now, right? Can I get you, can I get you to rock with me on that? Like, let's stay away from the vacation companies. Let's stay away from, like, the airlines, right? Can we kind of, like, can we do that? Like, you know, we got a little time. It's not the best time for that. But also, when we look at automobile companies, like, they truly hold a lot of debt. Think about it, right? So when people on, and when it is a recession, we talked about people not holding on to money, right? I mean, people holding on to money, so people might not be buying jewelry. People might not be buying new cars. People might not be going on vacation, right? That might not be a thing during a recession, right? So I want to just keep that in mind. And can we also stop saying, can we also stop saying this? Can we also stop saying, I'm going to invest in this company because it's not going nowhere for a while? Can we say that? Can we agree to say that we, I, like, I'm not, I'm not investing in this company. Can we stop saying that? I need us to stop saying that, right? I need that to be something we don't stay to, right? Moving forward, man, I want to talk about something, man. Bonds, right? So I want us to understand something. There are three types of bonds in the world. Well, there's more than three, but here's the three I want to talk about. One is treasury bonds, right? Two is municipal bonds, right? Three corporate bonds, right? Treasury bonds are loans like to the government, right? Treasury bonds are like loans to the government, right? So the government needs to make a move. The government needs to do something. They issue out bonds. You get them the money, they take out loans, right? This a got, got, that's, a, that's a Wall Street trapper bond. Wall Street looks like us now, bond. Goddamn, convertible, all prior to January 1, 1980. That's a good goddamn bond. <laughs> right? And then the next bond is like a municipal bond. So municipal bonds are issued uh, by cities, right? So they're issued by cities and they're doing little things in the city, right? But they have a high rate of like going default, right? They have a high rate of like going default. And then, you know, we have the corporate bonds. So the corporate bonds are like your businesses, right? These businesses, they actually have a higher yield on a corporate bond, but they also will default. So I want you to understand those three bonds. You can go to USTreasuryDirect.gov and learn about that. Actually, you can go to your bank too. But I want you to understand something too, man. If you are a younger investor, bonds won't be your thing, right? If you're a little seasoned, Bonds may be your thing because people invest in bonds for what? Income, right? 
right? So let's move a little further. Now, I want to get into this right here, right? As a trapper, right, as a trapper, what I truly want you to do is pay attention to this 10-year note. Now, here's the thing. Businesses and governments often operate between that 5 and that 10-year note. That's where they move around us. I want you to pay attention to those. So when you're looking at these channels, right, especially when you're on the Wall Street, looks like us and our network, we're going to have something live come on for you every day. We're working on that, right? The 10-year note is the most important for us as investors. Here's why. Because it represents the pulse of the economy. That's right. This is something you ain't never heard before. This is something you ain't never heard before. That's why it's important to tune in to Trapping Tuesdays because this is something that you ain't never heard before. This is something you ain't never heard before. Check it out. Watch this breakdown, y'all. It is the most important for us as investors because it is the pulse of the economy. Okay, hear me out. Watch this. If the 10-year note is rising, that means investors in the market are losing interest, losing confidence in the market and the economy. Remember, the bonds are telling us a lot. Right? This is corporate, municipal, government. Right? So if the 10-year bond is raising, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. If the 10-year bond is raising, you know that investors are losing confidence in the market and the economy. Okay, you with me? You with me? It's like high blood pressure, right? It's like high blood pressure. It's too much salt out there, right? It's too much salt going on out there, right? So a 10-year bond raising, think of that as your blood pressure going up. Think of that as the economy's blood pressure going up. Right? When you see the 10-year note going up, think of that like the economy's blood pressure going up. What happens when a person's blood pressure goes up? In their mind, they get what? They lose confidence. Right? 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 Hear me out. When the 10-year bond is getting low, right? When the 10-year bond is getting low, that is telling us that investors are finding confidence in the market and the economies. Why? Because if the 10-year bond is low, that means investors now are finding other opportunities in the market. They're willing to take risk. So when a 10-year bond is going high, that means there's a high demand for the 10-year note. If the 10-year note is going high, that means investors are trying to run for safety. If they're trying to run for safety and get anything for their money, 1%, 1.2%, 5%, right? They're trying to 3%. They're not getting 3%. They're getting 0.5%. Because as the demand, go, as the demand goes up, the yield comes down. Okay, we trapping right now. We trapping right now. As the demand for the 10-year yield goes up, the bond goes up, the note goes up, the yield comes down. Right? Now, here's what I want you to know. When the 10-year starts to get low, 
That means when the 10-year gets low, what's that mean, y'all? When the 10-year gets low, that means investors are finding energy somewhere else. Okay, I can go here. I can go to trap. I can go to stocks. I can go to options. I can go here. I can go there. Right? The 10-year getting low. So when you see the 10-year raising, you know one thing. As an investor, oh, that 10-year going up? Okay, something ain't right. Something ain't right in the economy. Something ain't right in the market. This is the post, y'all. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. If you don't know, I ain't saying nothing. If you don't... <laughs> Right? Now, here's the thing. Now, let's get a little further. Let's get a little deeper, right? Let's go a little deeper. When the two-year crosses the 10-year, we have what's called an inverted yield curve. Mm-mm. We have an inverted yield curve. When the yield curve inverts, Seven of the last recessions that follow. When the yield curve inverts, seven of the last recessions have followed. As investors, we must pay attention to that 10 year note. All right, man, let's go, man. How y'all feeling, man? Like, I feel good, man. Like, I'm going to just keep it 100. Like, I feel like we, like, in the zone right now, right? I feel like we tapped in. I feel like we tapped in. I feel like we're going to take it to another level. Let's go, man, right? So now I want to get into something else, man. I want to go into this segment here. It's called 1-800-TRAP-A-HOTLINE, right? This segment is brought to you by... Travis Anonymous, right, is my monthly group, right, where each and every day of the week we do something, right? The group is designed to give you community. The group is designed to build your confidence. The group is designed for anyone who is seeking to better their knowledge, who is seeking to look for a family. Why? Because it is 100% hard for you as an investor to just navigate through these waters by yourself. So Monday we do something called Monday Madness. That is when I go live with the group each and every Monday. And we talk about what's going on in the market and I answer your questions. Tuesday we do something called Ticket Symbol Tuesday. That is when I personally put a stock in the group, break it down a little bit and help you. Because I know people have trouble finding great companies. Wednesdays is called Wild Out Wednesdays. That is one of my lieutenants in my group research companies with the travelers. Thursdays, we have ETF Thursdays because some travelers truly aren't ready to dig into individual stocks. So what do we do? We put an ETF in a group, we break the ETF down so you can find a risk-averse investment. Friday, we have what's called Drip Friday, man. That's when we drip, you hear me? We dripping, we dripping. Drip Friday is all about dividend reinvestment plan. That's when we find great dividend companies that you can put in your portfolio that'll give you income the long haul. Saturday we do is called Study the Great Saturdays. That is when we pick out a great investor. We pick out a great investor and we break his style down. We break out his angle. 
and we break down his investor identity. And then Sundays we do the more famous Live from the Kitchen is when each trapper, four trappers, every week we break down a new industry, we break down a new sector, we break down companies so you can learn how to break down a business and included with that is monthly, I mean weekly book clubs, but also one live masterclass every month to help you heal your financial trauma. Check us out, man. Trappers Anonymous, man. Definitely come join the group, man. Let's go, man. 1-800-Trapper Hotline. What up, what up, what up, what up? Hey, what up, Trapper? You hear me? Yo, I hear you. What's good? What's good, bro? I got a question. Talk to so me. Let's say I got a company that I like, right? I'm going to call this company X. But I really feel like I bought it out of bad parts. I really, like, I love the company. I really see it's going. Like, it's the future of the world, right? But I really feel like I bought it at bad price. Um, what, what do I do? Do I need to get rid of it? Do I buy more of it? How do I have a buying in when I, when I got it for too high a price? Mmm, that's a great question. That's a great question. So one of the things that often happen is investors are truly buying companies at egregious prices. Right? So what I would tell this trapper to do right now is, one, I would tell him to go figure out the value of that business. So once you figure out the value of that business, now you know it is worth. The next thing I want you to do now is average down into that business. I want you to find prices that you are comfortable with, so 15%, 20%. I want you to average down into those companies so you can bring down your cost basis. But here is the caveat to that. Before you buy anything, I want you to research this company. And I want you to see if this company is worth investing in. Sometimes we truly have to cut our losses and move forward. Other times, we can find opportunity to build our wealth. Shout out to the chapter, man. What's good? I feel good. I feel good, man. I feel good, man. Shout out to the family, man. 1-800-TRAPPER HOTLINE. In order to get in 1-800-TRAPPER HOTLINE, you definitely have to be a part of Trappers Anonymous. All you have to be in my mentorship, Trap Masters. Why? That's called exclusivity, man. What's good? What's that, Trap? What's that in with it? Man, I'm trying to question for you. Bro, I'm talk to me, talk to me. Man, I don't want to know how many accounts should I have. Ah! Good question, good question. So, the king asked, yo, Trap, like, how many accounts should I have? So, for me, I feel like you should have an account based on what are your goals and objectives, right? So for me, I have an options account. For me, I have a dividend account. For me, I have a Roth IRA. For me, I also have an account that is my premium long-term account. So I take more risk in this account. And then I have another account where I just take like some gambles in, right? So I also, I think you should have an account for every goal and objective. I don't think you should mix things up. Right, and it's just me personally, right? I'm not telling anyone what to do. I personally think that if you uh, truly uh, don't know how to invest, if you truly uh, aren't willing to do the research on your own, well, I think you should, one, seek out somebody who has that, like a fiduciary, their goal is to take you to glory. That's the Wall Street trap, but my goal is just to take you to the trap house. But for me, it's a what, what, what would trap do moment, man? Specifically, man, I will 100% have a portfolio for everything I want to do. Align your goals, get you a dividend portfolio, get you a long-term portfolio, get you a risk-averse portfolio. That way you don't got everything mixed up, man. Let's go, man. What's good, Trapper? Welcome to the Trapper Tuesday, man. We just getting started, y'all. Tell me how you feel. You hear me? 
Let's go, man. Let's go, man. All right, man. This segment here is called Certified Trapper of the Week. So what I like to do is I always love to highlight just investors, CEOs, who just knocking it out the park, who I can learn from, who we can learn from. This segment right here is brought to you by Trapper Apparel, Inc. Listen, Trapper Apparel, Inc. is a brand that is the uniform for everyone who is out here on a mission to build wealth. Some of the apparel for that is Wall Street Looks Like Us Now Apparel. Some of the apparel is the Certified Wall Street Trapper Apparel. But listen, if you are truly serious about building wealth, I don't care if you're in stocks, I don't care if you're in crypto, I don't care if you're trading, I don't care if you're into index funds or ETFs, I don't care if you're into real estate, I don't care what you're into. If you are out here seeking to build wealth by using this stock market, 100%, you should have Trapper Apparel Inc. Got that? Got it. Listen, so this week's Certified Trapper of the Week is none other than my guy, good old Peter Lynch. Shout out to Peter, man. Shout, 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 shout out to Peter, man. Shout. No one's whispering about the R word anymore. Because Peter's going to get us out. Just come right out and say it. Peter's going to get us out of recession. The reason why I picked that because Peter can, if you follow Peter's design, it is 100% easy to get out of recession. And here's why. Right, because Peter has a strategy, and I'll talk about his strategy, and it works. Right, but let's just give you an idea of who Peter is, right? So Peter became the manager of Fidelity's Magellan Fund, where he grew to stardom. He had a five-stock criteria that I actually still use parts of it, right? Buy what you know, make sure it has growth, make sure it has a, a reasonable growth rate, stay away from hot stocks, stay small because you don't have to be a large investor to make great money, right? And make sure the company has a strong balance sheet. I rock with little Peter, you hear me? Peter Pepper pick the pile of pepper, Peter Pepper pick, you hear me? But I love Peter, man. Uh, Peter definitely is amazing. Peter definitely was definitely a goat of his era, right? Peter averaged a return of 29% annually. Yo, that is really got doggone good, right? In 11 of his 13 years, he beat the piss out of the S&P 500. Today, Peter has three books out, and uh, I definitely think you should read all three of them, man. Peter's that guy. Right? Peter is definitely that guy. All right, man. Let's go, man. How y'all feeling, man? Talk to me. I like the energy, man. Trapping Tuesdays is 100% for the people, by the people, brought to you by the Trapper, man. All right, man. I got another segment called Trapper. Fix my portfolio. Why? Because everybody always have a portfolio question. Everybody always has a portfolio friend, right? And so who would I be if I didn't help you to the best of my ability? Now remember, remember, this is education and entertainment. Everything that I say is to enlighten you, but none of what I say should be taken as a to-do basis, right? All investments come with risk. All investments should be researched. 
If you can't mitigate that risk and you aren't willing to research what you're investing in, you should 100% seek out a fiduciary or financial advisor. Why? Because their goal is to take you to glory. My goal is to take you to the trap house. We trapping! Trapping picking my foot forward. What's good, family? Who I got on the line? What's good, Travis? What's good? Oh, I, got I got a question about my, my portfolio, so I'm trying to add stocks to my portfolio, but I'm just not sure how to know what's a good price to buy a stock at to put it in my portfolio. Ah, the good old wood stock. What price shall I buy that? So again, one of the things that I often say is before you buy anything, you should know the value of it, right? They got, they got a saying that, and I don't like to say it like this, but poor-minded people know the price of everything but the value of nothing. I'm going to say it again. Poor-minded people know the price of everything and the value of nothing. So what I would want everyone to do as a trapper is to learn how to evaluate a business. If you can't evaluate a business, what I think you should do until you learn how to evaluate a business is I think you should stick to index funds and ETFs. Why index funds and ETFs? Because you now have a collection of stocks in a boat, in a basket at one time, and you're buying into a fund, right? You're buying into a fund that you are betting on the stock's performance. Now, most people say trap. Uh, why can't I buy the stock now and then this dollar cost average? Well, the reason why I personally, remember this is a what would Trapper do moment? Why don't I prefer dollar cost averaging, right? Because I'm a fundamental investor and I learned my game from the greats. And all of the great people who I studied always said, buy at fair prices and buy at discount prices, right? So because the stock market often goes up more than it goes down, if we dollar cost average, I mean you're buying stocks once a month, at a certain time every month, in most cases, you will be buying a stock overbought. Now, if you're buying a stock overbought, over time, what you'll be doing is bringing up your cost basis. Now, I'm not saying that that strategy won't get you in, but for me, because I like buying at a discount, one of the things I like to do first is find the value of the business. Once I find the value of a business, I find out at what point that I can buy this stock. Here's what I want you to understand. You're never missing out. The market will always reward patience. The market will always reward patience. I want you to take this quote and I want you to hold it real hard. A great company at a bad price is not a good investment. I said again, a great company at a bad price is not a good investment. All right. Cool, 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 cool. Let's go. Let's go. Yo, listen. I feel good. I feel good. I feel feeling good like I should. Y'all know that song? I love that song, man. I was just feeling good. All right. This segment is called Breaking Down a Brick. This segment of this show is bought to you none other than by the Wall Street Looks Like Us Now Network, right? The Wall Street Looks Like Us Now Network is designed to fight the war of poverty one piece of content 
at a time. It is. So this segment right here, Breaking on a Brick, we like to present to the tribe as a company, right? I like to present to you all one company that I feel like is strong. Now, I'm not going to tell you what price to get into that. I'm not going to tell you when you should buy it. Why? Because I want you to learn how to research businesses, right? Why is that, tribe? Why don't you want to tell me when to get into the price, right? Here's the thing. Being who I am, if I tell you at what price to get in as a company, if that doesn't happen, you tell me I'm a scam. If I tell you get in the company and it never gets there, you're going to tell me I don't know what the hell I'm talking about because I'm willing to wait. So what I would like to do with you is present you with a strong company, and from that point on, you do what you're supposed to do, right? I feel like it's fair exchange. Right? I want to teach you how to fish instead of always depending on me to fish, right? Because one of the things that I learned that wealthy people do out the gate is they prepare their family, their kids, their loved ones on how to stay wealthy. They don't give it to them. They provide them with opportunities and they will provide them with information. And I love every last one of y'all. So I feel like it's my duty to get up here each and every Tuesday and provide you with a boatload of information that is digestible, that is entertaining, that you can use and apply every day. And if I do that, I've done my job. All right, so the company that I'm gonna present to you today is called Track the Supply, right? Track the Supply, right, is the largest tractor, uh, is the largest tractor supply operating company in the United States. Right? Uh, they target recreational farmers and recreational ranchers. Right? They have little to no exposure to commercial and industrials. Right? I mean, they don't deal with the big dogs. They don't want, they don't want none of that. They don't want none of that. Right? We call this farming through the weeds. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right? Because you got to go look for this company. It's a boring company. It's a boring company with a great management, with a strong balance sheet, and a beautiful moat. These three things that I look for, right? They don't mess with big corporations. They like the small farm and they like the small rancher, right? They have 2,016 stores in 49 states across America, right? 47% of their revenue comes from livestock and pets. I mean, you can go to there and buy pigs, sheep, goats, Cows. Matter of fact, I got a 40-acre rent love farm. I need. I might need to go to track supply and see what they're talking about. They might be trying to tax though. I might need to go to the auction. Right? 21% of their revenue comes from hardware and tools. 21% uh, of their revenue comes from seasonal gifts. Right? They have 24 million members in their neighborhood club. It's kind of like Sam's Club. Right? It's kind of like Sam's Club, but for farmers. Right? What I love about them is their mission. Statement says their goal is to work hard, have fun, make money by providing low prices, great products, and I like that, right? And actually, it's a 60% buy by analysts. So I like that. I don't have a problem with track supply. I feel like track supply can actually... I feel like track supply can definitely run up a check, you hear me? I definitely feel like track supply, but you got to be patient. You got to be patient, man. Moving on, man. Let's go, man. Let's go, man. 
Yo, I feel like we trapping right now. I feel like we in a zone, right? Make sure you are 100% liking this, subscribing to the channel. This channel grows, this network grows by you telling people what we got going on here. I promise you, this is amazing. Um, and we will 100% provide you with the best quality financial news that you can do, right? So this right here segment is called the Wealth Track. So I'm not gonna lie to y'all, this is probably my favorite segment of all segments. And here's why this segment is the favorite segment of all segments, right? What happens is hip hop, rap, R&B, it's all a part of our culture. It's a part of not just the culture, it ignited the world, right? But what happens is so many artists talk to us about wealth. So many artists talk to us about business, but it don't get no light shined on it. The only thing that gets the light shined on it is the exploitation of the black man and the black woman. The exploitation of us in music. That gets poured out to the masses. And I don't like that because there are so many artists that talk to us about wealth and business. And I want to take a segment on this show, on this network, to highlight that. Last week, we did Biggie, Sky's the Limit. This week, on the Well Track, we are going to dedicate this one to none other than the late, great Nipsey Hussle. So Nip said, run up that check and I laid low. Make sure that money make more. Y'all witnessed it. We got eight businesses, hater, that's a bank roll, right? The field is the name of that track. Why I love that, because here's what he says. I went out and got my money up. I went out and got my money up. But I made sure that money made more. Like, listen to that. Like, I went and got my check up, but instead of splurging it, I went and made sure my money made more. Y'all witnessed it. We got eight businesses. So what he told us was, he went and got the check, but before he blew it, before he splurged it, he went and created eight more businesses. And he called that a bankroll. And I like that, right? Like, it be the little things that the people that we listen to tell us that we miss. But we gotta grab those. And we gotta hold on to that. Because when you see a person winning, when you see a person living, like understand that, like all of the shining may be the byproduct of a lot of hard work and a lot of sacrifice. So I'm gonna say it again, run up that check and lay low. Made that money, made sure that money made more. Y'all witnessed it. We got eight businesses. Hater, that's a bankroll. Shout out to Nip, man. Love you, bro. Appreciate you, King. You hear me? So, man, let's get into this, man. This last segment. This segment that I love is called Words, Wise Words from the OG. And this is just about me truly just giving you a heart to heart. I want you to take a minute right now, because you took some time out of your day to day, to witness this. I want you to understand that your time is your most valuable asset. I want you to ask yourself this question. Why do you think the way you think about money? I want you to answer this question. 
Why do you spend money the way that you spend money? I want you to answer this question. Why do you believe what you believe about money? A lot of times what happens is we have inherited those beliefs. And we defend those beliefs with everything in us. Those patterns have to be broken. Those patterns have to be unanchored. They can no longer be a part of who we are. Because when we adapt and we anchor to those beliefs and those patterns, we pass them down to the generations that come. I want you to say, I will no longer fertilize my fears. We started off earlier and we talked about people that played the lottery so much. I want us tonight to break away from anything that doesn't align with the future that we see for ourselves. I want you to know that the money machine called the stock market prints money for anybody who is bold enough to play the game long enough. I want us to get this quick flip mentality out of our minds. I want us to get this get rich quick mentality out of our minds. I saw somebody on one of my posts the other day said, Trap, why are you misleading people? Why are you not telling them that they need a boatload of money or they need 10,000 shares to build wealth in the stock market? I said, I'm not misleading them, but what I don't want you to do is put your limiting beliefs on my audience and I block them. Because I want you to know that the term building wealth one share at a time is serious. I want you to understand that building wealth one share at a time means your first investment is not your last investment. I want you to understand that building wealth one share at a time means one share turns to two, two share turns to four, four share turns to eight, eight shares turn to 16, 16 shares turn to 34. 32 shares turn to 64. And 64 shares turn and a thousand shares turn and two thousand shares turn it's not about where you start it's about where you finish and if the goal is truly to turn your last name into an asset if the goal is truly generational wealth if the goal is truly generational freedom, then starting with one share is not a problem. Because when you sit down and say, I want to build my house from scratch, before the house can be finished, they got to start with one brick. I want you to understand that your first share is your first brick. I want you to understand that the wealthy will continue to get wealthy if you always feel like you need 10,000 shares to start. If you need 10,000 shares to start, that means you'll never get started because you got to hit the lottery to get the 10,000 shares. 
I want you to be comfortable with building it one share at a time. It's your boy, the Wall Street Trapping. I'll see y'all next week on Trapping Tuesdays. I'm out.